Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. When my daughter was in her last couple of years at high school, she started to become a bit rebellious. She didn't really want to go to church or spend time with the rest of the family. Some of the friends she had were not the sort of characters you would want to meet in a dark alley. Once when she came home from school and had forgotten her key, her friend showed her how to break in because he'd done that quite regularly to other locked houses. Another friend zoomed around inside the house on a skateboard and when he crashed into the bedroom wall and made a hole in it, He expressed surprise that there weren't any other holes in the walls like there were all through his place. But when Rachel went to university, it all changed. Right from orientation week, she connected with a group of people from student life. They were young people with a passion for knowing God and making him known to others. She connected with them, and her faith reignited. She is now married to a young man she met at Student Life. Uh, She's trained as a teacher. She's involved in her local church, and they've produced a fabulous granddaughter for us. I can tell you that none of this seemed likely or even remotely possible when she was 16. The course of our lives can be changed by the connections that we make. God created us with a capacity to love and to be loved, to connect with others. Right from the start, back in Genesis 2.18, God declared that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He wants us to be in a relationship with others, connected to others. Now, primarily, God wants us to be in a life-giving relationship with him, but he knows that we need the physical presence of others around us. People want to be connected. If you doubt this, think about the social network site Facebook. It was launched in 2004, primarily as a way for college students to connect online on their computers with each other. It was a phenomenal success. And last year, in October, Facebook management told us there are one billion users worldwide. That's one-seventh of the world's population. And I think most of them are connected to Marie Nicole on her side. (laughs) So early connection via text messages was so important to get help to victims following the devastating earthquakes in Christchurch. And in the following days, the connections with family and friends all around the country, all around the world, were so important and vital to offer us ongoing support and communication. Our Bible reading today is about a woman who had a life-changing experience when she connected with Jesus. So I think it's up there, but it's John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. 
There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, and his sons, and his cattle? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such the Father seeks to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So this is the story of a Samaritan woman, or as John Cooney once said, the largest woman in the Bible, the woman of some area. (laughs) The Samaritans were a mixed race, partly Assyrian and partly Jewish. The Jews hated them. They didn't mix with them or associate with them. In fact, they would go out of their way to avoid them and certainly wouldn't speak to them. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan helping a Jewish man who'd been beaten up and left to die, was so powerful when Jesus told it. Those who heard the story were uncomfortable. They knew it was right to help someone in need, but surely only Jewish people, not Samaritans. Did God really expect them to have close connections with people from other races? 
It was a very radical way of thinking. But Jesus was fairly radical. For Jesus to even speak to this woman was remarkable. And not only did he speak to her, he treated her with respect. Women did not have equal status with men. Samaritans did not have equal status with Jews. In the eyes of her community, she was not even a respectable person. Jesus knew all about her, but chose to speak to her anyway. He ignored the acceptable social customs of the day. He accepted her exactly as she was. This woman came to the well in the heat of the day to draw water. That's not a usual thing to do. So she probably did that to avoid the other woman in the village who would have gone early in the morning or early in the evening when it was cooler. She may have preferred to put up with the scorching heat than to risk running into the women and their rebukes. In all fairness, she gave them plenty to gossip about. She had five failed marriages and was living with a sixth man who was not her husband. This was an absolute scandal. For a woman today to be married five times might raise a few eyebrows, but it would generate a fair amount of gossip. Elizabeth Taylor springs to mind. Not our very own Opawa, Elizabeth Taylor, of course, (laughs) who, as far as I know, is happily married to Cuth. Elizabeth Taylor, the movie star, who hit the headlines each of the eight times she married or seven times she divorced. So this woman at the well was probably lonely. She came with an empty water jar on her head and probably an emptiness in her heart. She had presumably searched for a lasting marriage relationship and she would have suffered rejection and disappointment time after time. Then she met Jesus. This was a life-changing encounter. She conversed with him, he connected with her, and maybe she felt a stirring of hope and excitement. She knew that her life would never be the same again. Connecting with Jesus was a positive step in her life. Not all connections are positive. We had a tenant in our house whose fists and feet connected with our doors and walls and left gaping holes everywhere they connected. And our final connections with him were in a courtroom, rather painful and negative. We have to watch the company we keep. And certain relationships or connections are best avoided. The Bible warns that those who associate with ungodly people and evil people will not be on the right track to living godly lives. Some people who connected with Jesus didn't have a good experience. They had their actions and their motives challenged, and they were accused of hypocrisy and ungodliness. But this connection with Jesus is positive. And that's because Jesus recognises a genuine searching heart when he encounters one. 
He treated this most unrespectable woman with respect. He challenged her without condemning her lifestyle. He offered her two things, a relationship with God right now and eternal life in the future, the gift of living water. That's the thing about water, isn't it? Following each major earthquake, we had no running water, and how good it was to have bottled water to meet our immediate needs. But we needed more than that. We needed the assurance that we had an ongoing water supply for today and for the next day's needs, and how much easier life was when we had running water through the pipes when the water supply was restored. There were no conditions offered attached to the offer of an endless supply of living water. All this woman had to do was accept the free gift, and she did. Some people are offered the free gift and don't accept it. But in John 4.15 she says, Sir, give me this water. Notice what happened next. She left her water jar and ran back to Samaria. She sought out the very people she had painstakingly avoided for years, and she shared the good news with them. John 4.39 records that many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. They saw the change in her. Before she connected with Jesus, people probably only ever saw her with her head down, eyes averted. She carried her shame and her pain. But now she's a woman set free. Women set free are dangerous. She's excited. She's accepted. She's connected. The woman of Samaria not only had her own thirst quenched, she became a channel of water for a thirsty world. Verse 28 records that after meeting with Jesus, the woman left her water jar and wandered back to Samaria to tell everyone about it. Is that right? No, she probably ran back. There's excitement and urgency here. Before, all she could think about was how to avoid other women. Now, all she can think about is how to share the good news with everyone she met. Being connected to Jesus set her free to connect to others. I believe it's the same for every one of us. God offers all of us living water. We all come with an empty water jar looking for something to satisfy our thirst. And we naturally go to where we've always gone, to the well. But Jesus meets us when we're at the well, and he offers an alternative to meet our needs. He offers a connection to an eternal source of satisfaction and refreshment. It might mean that we have to leave our water jar behind, our connection with our old way of life. But we need to trust God to supply all that we need now and for the future. And he will 
just as he did for the woman of Samaria. No matter how depleted we are, God has the never-ending supply. But we have to get it from him, not from the well. When we're connected to Jesus, we're set free to connect to others. If we have the assurance that our water supply is never going to run dry, why on earth would we keep it all for ourselves instead of sharing what we have with those in need? Amen.